0: Welcome to the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider, a podcast where we pull back the curtain and speak to the brains behind sales and marketing activity that has delivered real results. Get inspired and get actionable ideas by hearing what they did and how they did it. Brought to you by The Growery, simplifying sales growth, and Gorilla Technology, your proactive IT support partner. Welcome to episode 4 of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. I'm your host, Ben Rose, and today we're speaking to Richard Conway, founder and CEO at Pure SEO, and author of How to Get to the Top of Google Search. Originally from Hertfordshire in the UK, Richard moved to Auckland in 2009 with his family after falling in love with New Zealand. Not only is he the CEO of New Zealand's most awarded search agency, Richard's an author, mentor, investor, and advisor to a range of high-technology businesses. Richard started Pure SEO with just $200 to spend on a single web page. From there, he grew the business using digital marketing and networks that he established. Pure SEO is now New Zealand's largest specialist search agency, most awarded search agency, and has four offices in New Zealand and Australia. He is now on the board of Entrepreneurs' Organisation, lectures about search marketing and writes monthly columns for multiple publications, including M2 magazine. He also regularly features in the New Zealand Herald, Idealog, and Stock Press. Thanks for joining us, Richard. Hey, thanks for having me. So that's uh, that's that's quite the uh, set of accolades. So talk talk me through the story of how did you end up founding um, New Zealand's biggest search marketing agency? Yeah, it's, it's, it sounds pretty impressive,
1: but you know, um, I want to point out there's nothing particularly special about me um, and stuff. It's just following sort of process and having passion and and drive to do something. I. I genuinely believe that you know anyone can do it if they're driven in the right kind of manner. Um it's you don't have to be particularly smart, I don't you know, I'm no Einstein. Um it's it's about really being
0: passionate and driving and having that continual momentum. So, so talk me talk me through the the passion. Let's start off first with um, what what led you to decide you know search search marketing is where you were going to focus. Hey, so, um, like you said, I came to New Zealand two thousand nine with yeah. my
1: wife who's British, didn't know anybody here, and um, I ran quite a big business for someone else in England, and um, I came to New Zealand pretty arrogant, thinking yeah I will walk into an amazing job yeah. Um, and then no one wanted to employ me because I didn't have Kiwi experience. Um, oh yeah, good old Kiwi experience. Um, so I thought, I've always wanted to run my own business. Yeah. Um, there were a number of different options available to me. I've, I've got background in property. I've got background in uh, marketing and online. Um, and I decided to do um, digital marketing SEO for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because the company I was with previously spent about a million pounds a year on it. So mm-hmm. I thought probably... Um, there's there's probably mileage in there. And also I looked at what some of the organisations in New Zealand that were uh, successful in the space were doing, and it was some way behind what people were doing in the UK. Mm -hmm. And so I thought maybe with that UK experience, um, there might be an opportunity to give people better bang for buck.
0: Yeah. And how... how I suppose scientific were you in your research because because we've we've had different stories from different people about how you know I suppose how you know thorough the process was they went into investigating what, what business they were going to go into how did, how did you go go about that so I looked at a few
1: things I looked at a property management company which yep. I was potentially going to run um, commercial property and I had a potential business partner for that mm-hmm. but um, he's been really flaky about it and and there were various other things and um, I chose pure SEO or SEO and digital marketing, um, mainly on gut. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did some searches and things like that, but I didn't do too much market research. I didn't have a business plan. I had everything in my head. I had strategy. I had a, an idea of what I wanted to achieve and how I wanted to achieve it. Um, and funnily enough, that um, strategy is actually the same today. It's evolved, but it's it's the same strategy. Have you written it down now? um th- <laughs> Most people believe in business plans and and all those. But in my experience, I think things are better sort of felt and using gut Mm -hmm, than mm -hmm. writing a business plan and following that religiously because who knows what tomorrow brings. And there's so Mm -hmm. many opportunities that pass us by. I think often the difference between success and failure is being open and seeing those opportunities and being able to be flexible. So I've done lots of business plans. I've done three year, five year projections Mm -hmm. and all that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff. But invariably, when you do that, you're not accurate. It's not, you know, who knows what's gonna happen in the digital world in three to five years? Who could have predicted COVID? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's so many things that are outside your control that um, I I think things are better felt. um, like if you're raising capital or something like that, then a business plan and things like that, or, You know, if, the, if you're trying to get an overdraft from the bank or something, yep. then they're necessary evils. But I often find they're a distraction.
0: Okay. Okay, so let's talk about, from a marketing point of view, um, how you came up with the Pure SEO brand and how did you go about building that and turning it into a thing that cool. you know people knew about and was kind of compelling for customers? Cool. So the Pure SEO brand...
1: Um, it started off just me and my wife chucking ideas about for um, different names and, and things like that I, I believe um, having a brand that people remember is quite important mm-hmm. um, and there was the whole pure New Zealand we wanted to be known for something I'm a big believer if you have a business like be known as the best in that industry. If you start offering, if you're a jack of all trades mm-hmm. and you offer loads of different things, you're not known for anything. And so people don't come you for a specific product or service. Yep. So the whole pure SEO thing was that we're gonna do SEO, we're gonna be the best at it. We did AdWords from day one, we did other things from day one, but I wanted us to be known for something. And so the pure SEO kind of fit, fitted with that. Mm-hmm. And back in those days, having SEO in the actual URL was yep. beneficial. Right. Less okay. so nowadays, but yeah. Um, so that was the process. But then I got someone to create the logo, a guy called John Malloyd, um, and he did that for a bottle of Grey Goose vodka, because didn't Excellent. Any budget. Um, <laughs> and I didn't know anyone in New Zealand, literally not a soul. Mm-hmm. And so the sales and marketing thing and building the brand um, was a very definite strategy that I had in my mind. So first thing was I had to go out get to know people yep. and network now I'm an introvert um, started off um, standing in the corner of a room not knowing anyone and really sort of plucking up the courage to speak to people mm. um, the other thing is I found some software which um, it was link building software and back in the day um, it used to send out lots of emails to people basically saying if you link to me I'll link to you it's right, sort right, of dodgy right. SEO software mm-hmm, but what I did mm-hmm. is you could edit the email it, it sent and so I edited it and I targeted website developers and I basically said "Look, we're in New Zealand we don't do websites we're offering SEO mm-hmm. um, we'd love to partner with you you know we recommend you for websites and funnily enough still today um, I deal with website developers who responded to that initial um, blast out using that software for its non intended purpose
0: so huh. so so your strategy in the beginning was to go through others to their customer bases or did you also do kind of business to business lead generation as well? Both.
1: So I joined business, uh, BNI, um, joined business mentors, got a business mentor. Um, I got myself out and about. Before coming to New Zealand, I read that Richard Branson book, Losing My Virginity. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what he did was he didn't have the budgets to do massive marketing campaigns. Yep. So he made a bit of an idiot of himself. He got you know, public uh, perception. He stuck his head above the parapet. Yeah, yeah. And I made that call from day one to put myself out there, mm. even though so against like my natural instincts, yeah, right. um, and try and get PR, try and do silly things, yep. try and get known. Um, and so, still today, I'm always trying to push my boundaries and do stuff that makes me feel uncomfortable because that's kind of how you get that competitive advantage
0: and so so tell me what what you take I suppose from what you learned back then putting yourself into a sales role um, what you learned from that that you apply to your sales team now right so so early doors I probably did everything wrong
1: uh, really because I like I said earlier I'm a gut person I yeah I I sort of um, I see something I just go for it and Mm -hmm. um, and focus on it we grew the business and we started to bring on a sales team. Yeah, and all the sales people we were bringing on, apart from my very first, who's still with us today, um, were failing. And I thought, you know, we're just hiring the wrong people; mm-hmm. they are not um, the right people. But it turned out that we basically weren't giving them the right tools to succeed. I brought in someone else, and what they did is they put up a whole process around that sales thing, like. How many calls to a meeting? How many meetings to a close? Mm-hmm. What to do in the first meeting? What standard objections were? How to answer those? And once we put that process in place, all of a sudden, all the sales uh, people started succeeding. Right, right. And when they started to falter, um, looked at what stage they're in the process, and look at what they're doing, and find what they're not doing right to tweak and so you know, we spent like a year and you know there's me thinking you know, we're hiring all the wrong people but mm, it's not we were setting mm. them up for
0: failure because we weren't giving them the right tools to uh, be successful so so what was it about um i suppose you and the way you sold that worked without that structure what was the difference between you know you as a founder and those people as as employees so no one is going
1: to have the passion and drive that a founder has mm.
0: you know in the early days um
1: i joke that yeah you pretty much give someone a massage on the way out because you you <laughs> want them to succeed you want to succeed. Yeah, you yeah, want to overserve yeah. them so much yeah no one else is going to do that mm. no one else is going to have the passion the love the drive that you have and so that comes across when you're speaking to people because you truly want to do the best you possibly can for them and mm. um, you can't quite replicate that as you scale you know you can instill your values you can instill a culture and so that culture exists within the organization but no one's gonna um, answer an email at midnight if a problem happens and work till 2 in the morning to sort that problem out apart from you and so you can't expect other people um, to be like that another thing that's worth actually mentioning at this sort of juncture is one thing I learned reasonably early Mm. was a lot of people get sales totally wrong in how they treat their salespeople and how they focus on the the process. Once you've got a sales team, human nature is to try and help the people improve and get better. Um, But if you think of a sports team, what do the sports managers do? They focus on the best and improving the best. Whereas in a business, it's often people focus on the worst performers and spend all their time and energy getting them to be better. Mm -hmm. And then they're neglecting the best performers. They're basically... um, Like the the best performers are being disadvantaged by the fact that they're good. And if you flip it around Mm -hmm. and you focus on your best performers and you give them more attention and you give them more love, the business absolutely thrives. And I'm not saying if someone's not doing well, you don't give them any love. Mm. But if you think about it logically, you want to improve your best performers. You want to constantly raise the bar. So don't ignore them don't spend all your time on the people who aren't performing because mm. it will be to the detriment of the entire organisation.
0: So let's let's talk about your sales team now. So you know you've got four offices around the world. You've got you know decent scale compared to where you know where you started off just as yourself, and you've got a you know a sales team. And I see you're hiring more salespeople at the moment. So what is it that has made that team successful? So if you can if you can talk me through, I suppose how you select people. How you manage them and the kind of culture that you build, because lots of lots of our listeners, um, that's one of the things they they they, ch- they struggle with, is how to build a, a winning sales culture. So how have you gone about that? So I'd, I'd love to take um, the credit for it, but um, I got a brilliant sales
1: manager, um, and we've got a brilliant sales process, mm. but we don't always get it right. Um, we have specific targets we have a specific type of personality we want, we want for our business we want hunters, we get two or three leads coming in a day through our website Mm -hmm. but we want our teams to go out and generate their own leads as well because two or three leads a day are not going to grow our organisation to the scale that we want it to grow, Mm -hmm. so they've got to be comfortable joining things like BNI and networking they've got to be comfortable picking up the phone and making cold calls and a lot of people think, oh, cold calls, don't do that. Um, but it works, you know? and if you think about it, right, in our industry, for example, do a search for Plumber Auckland. You get mm-hmm. to page mm-hmm. two, um, you phone up a plumber, and you say, look, you're on page two of Google, there's 10,000 people searching for this on a monthly basis, and um, you're not getting any of them. Yeah. Um, but Joe Bloggers is on page one. Um, wouldn't you like to know what Joe Bloggs is doing that you're not doing? Yeah. Um, and who's gonna say no to that Mm. you know you spend time with them and then the other thing that's absolutely critical is you've got to go into that first sales meeting with something of value I want the person who's received that sales meeting Mm. to have come out of that meeting thinking I would have paid for that meeting I'd have happily given them two hundred dollars for the value they've given me yeah because then even if you don't make the sale they're Mm. gonna remember you positively They'll have got value from it and they'll tell other people and like everything in business it's accretive. it's tiny little steps you know nothing big happens overnight mm. you take these constant tiny little steps and it builds a brand it builds positivity yep. and you know if if someone comes to you and and sells something to you and you walk out of that meeting thinking "Wow, that was awesome i'd have actually paid for that yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, you, are you more inclined to do business with them of course you are
0: of exactly you are. so so just so just on the on the cold calling and the, and the kind of person I suppose that's going to be prepared to do, you know, networking cold calling because not all people are. How do you um, identify those people, and demonstrate for yourselves that they are those sorts of people? Because because I think one of the challenges with hiring salespeople often is that they are salespeople. So the interview they sound fantastic, but actually a cold caller is a, that's a real skill. How do, how do you find those people who can really do that?
1: Right so we don't always get it right there's always you 're going to have to kiss a lot of frogs along the way I mean, yeah. it's just it's part of the course um, but you look at what they 've done in their previous um, previous roles, you look at how they present themselves, you do a couple of interviews, and myself my my natural instinct I like people i i 'm like i I'm, I'm inherently a positive person, mm. so I want to hire everybody, yeah so know your weaknesses and bring in people who are more cynical yeah. and and look at that detail a little bit more than you um, and so I, I bring in sort of people that I employ mm-hmm. who are really good at that and so there's a, a couple of stages of the interview but regardless of that you know we turn down some brilliant salespeople because they're not a cultural fit and one thing I think that's massively important um, is you have to have a cultural fit um, there's a great um, saying that you know what you ignore you accept. So, if you have behaviours that aren't on your values or your culture, mm. and you don't deal with it, you ignore it. Suddenly, that becomes acceptable because other people um, see that you've ignored it. So, that can spread through the business. So, even with salespeople, even if their CV is brilliant mm. and they're absolutely brilliant, if they're wankers for one mm. of a better term, sorry mm. for the bad language. I think you're
0: allowed to swear on this podcast.
1: Um, just don't don't bother like because they might sell a lot but in the end it will be detrimental to the organization and the business and i don't believe in Mm short-termism you've got to live your values you know our values trust respect integrity and family and if someone doesn't adhere to that then they're just not right for us so live your values make sure that people are comfortable know what the job entails Mm -hmm. you know don't sell them on yeah you know this is a um you get loads of leads and um you know it's just uh sort of writing your own checkbook yeah yeah yeah. the other side is really bloody incentivise them so we we pay a really high base mm-hmm. we give them a car, we give them a phone, we mm-hmm. pay massive commission, and I love it if my sales you know if I've got right a twenty thirty grand commission check, I love it, right, whereas some people cap the mm-hmm. uh, commission, why would you cap commission you know they're earning more um than the business is doing better yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I love writing big sales commission checks because yeah
0: everyone wins so can you talk me through I suppose what you've learned about incentivization over the years you know how did you how did you start how did it change what did you learn what are some what are some traps that you know other businesses listening can avoid
1: so when we started we couldn't afford to pay a lot of money um,
0: and so the um,
1: the base was really low mm-hmm. like really really low, and the Commission was high now, funnily enough, the first salesperson we got is still with us today and turned turned to be excellent. But I think that was more luck than judgment. Um, I found that when you don't recompense these people um, enough, mm. you're not going to get the best. Mm. So you have to have a decent base. However, you can't have too big a base that they're going to be lazy and just rest on their laurels thinking, mm. oh, I'm earning this. I don't need to really make yeah. any sales. So it needs yeah. to be a fine balance. And then i find you need to employ people who have got something to lose so they've got a family they've got kids or they've got something that's going to drive them to be successful Mm. if it's if they're blasé about it and they you know they haven't really got anything that's gonna hurt if they don't make that money Mm. then they're generally not as um successful okay um personally i also like to have a slightly older um younger than me um a lot of them but um i don't want really fresh young people in the sales team necessarily because we're selling to business owners and mm. often they have to relate to them yeah. and a good example is we did this we did this really left field thing which was a pure biz so we did a um, graduate to entrepreneurship program we mm-hmm. went around the universities we did a dragon's den kind of thing and we employed a couple of people. And the idea was they work in the business for a defined period in the different sections, and then they get to open a pure SEO office, uh, which they would have equity in. Now, two people we brought on with that, both young. Um, One didn't make it, the other one, at the beginning, they struggled. But as they got a little bit older, they became brilliant in the sales process and stuff, and they were really good. And they have gone on their OE, but they'll probably come back and open an office when Mm, they come back. Um, so it's finding those people who really can pick themselves up, aren't afraid to pick up the phone, who get excited. You know, When they get a no, they know it's one step closer to a yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. it's finding those uh, people that are driven like that. But they're a breed and they're hard to manage and there are highs and lows. Um, so it's never going to be plain sailing. And you have to really understand that most of them, they're going to move on after a few years. You've got to accept that. Because um, it is a high pressure environment it 's you know, people burn themselves out mm-hmm. um, but you 've also got to give them the tools to succeed and know that won 't happen
0: immediately why, why are they hard to manage, or why can they be hard to manage
1: because that type of personality they have highs and lows they 're often um, high ds so they 're often got unwavering belief in themselves, and mm-hmm. you know, they mm-hmm. walk through brick walls if if necessary but then they get a few knocks and you know the commission check is low it can it can knock your head knock your confidence um so they can often be like uh, they can often be quite um individual characters quite bright characters mm. and quite loud and and things like that and so um they often need a lot of lot of time spent with them and a lot of you know love and attention uh, which is not such a bad thing but be aware, it will take time and it yeah, will take, and if they're
0: just neglected, mm. ultimately
1: they won't feel loved and they'll move on. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Great. Okay. Let's let's think more broadly about sales and marketing. So from your perspective, what do you think some common myths are that um, you've encountered in the past? So one thing that someone had to go at me on, on LinkedIn
1: because they saw... Um, they saw um, one of our branded cars on the road and they're saying like a digital agency with sign cars and yeah. I believe you measure things right mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter if it seems old-fashioned and stuff. you market in lots of different ways and you measure everything and if something works do it right? yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter if it's a billboard if it's a car everything adds to it and some people think well you're in digital you should only be doing digital now you do everything the other thing that um, people don't think um, works is that whole cold calling. Yeah, if you do cold calling in the correct manner, um, it can work and it could be massively uh, profitable. But it has to be done right. You can't phone up and um, start barraging sales stuff. Another one is is social media. Yeah? A lot of people think that you can't sell over social media, but you build relationships and from those relationships you build your brand and then you um make sales another my probably my biggest bugbear right is people set a budget for um for say google ads right mm-hmm. they say we're spending 5 grand a month that's it like brilliant budget you yep. yeah, yep. we're spending loads of money we don't we don't want to spend more And then you show them they're spending their five grand every month and they're paying fifty dollars for a converted lead Mm -hmm. and they're making say two hundred dollars from that lead i say if you increased your budget would you um you'd make more sales i go oh but we're spending five grand a month that's a lot of money and so i flip it on the head and i said if you gave if you gave me 50 um for every 150 dollars i give you back what would you do I said, oh, i'll give you unlimited fifty dollars right yep. so so why are you not doing that on the digital marketing when you can see that's exactly what's happening and then you see the light bulb go off and go oh maybe we should increase our budget and you know as an agency we're not incentivized for them to increase their budget because we don't do a percentage of media spend we just want them to sell stuff and make ourselves look good and make them look good we actually rather um give them best bang for buck mm-hmm. but you know if 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 it's working and there's more money being left on the table, increase your budget. You know, make it 100 grand
0: a month if you're still yeah, getting yeah. that sell. But you know. what, what what do you think's behind that that sort of suspicion and that 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 thought of you know marketing as an overhead? A
1: lot of it's just looking at oh, I'm spending five grand a month. That's a lot of money. Not actually looking at what it's achieving, mm. what it's doing, and why you're spending that. Um, and so it's it's really about educating people and letting them see it because some people don't naturally see that stuff you know to me that's that's obvious Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but sometimes you have to turn it around and explain it in a more kind of layman's
0: term um way do you think it might be because you think as a founder and you know potentially some of those clients might be thinking as an employee i've got a budget to spend
1: yeah i also think it's a it's innate like i think some people think like that you know different people have got different natural Mm -hmm. um ways of looking at things and um, I think it's innate for some people and it's just not
0: for others okay if you if you think back on you know your your career so far and it doesn't necessarily just have to be be pure um what would be i suppose the sales or marketing achievement you're you're proudest of so getting
1: invited to Necker Island, spend a week with richard branson other and other entrepreneurs and then writing an article about it in The Herald on the way home or for The herald on the way home and they published it and within Well, I think a week and a half we'd signed six new clients as a result of that article. So I get to spend a week having a giggle with Branson and other entrepreneurs in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. Like, that's work, yeah. And then coming home and. Making loads of business out of it, making loads of sales. Being able out to justify. It. It.
0: Just like, yeah. So, how, does, yeah. how did you, how did you get invited? How did you make that happen?
1: So, through something called Entrepreneurs Organization, um, the opportunity came up and people put that basically hat in the mm. sort of thing. And then um, I presume it's Branson chooses who he wants from the various countries. And it was myself and a guy called Steve White from mm. uh, New Zealand who owns Stony Ridge. Um, and then there were you know, people from US, UK, Dubai, all over, um, and you know it wasn't cheap. It ended up costing me about twenty grand with flights and stuff like that. But it paid for itself so many times over. And even you know that was tw- two thousand thirteen. You know people still ask me about it today. Yeah, right. Um, so the value in that stuff is is incredible. And then there's there's one more thing: is um, I wrote a book, as you said. Um, Penguin Random House and they're the publisher uh, for the book and most people think like i said earlier that marketing should be you know you do digital marketing unless you reach success it's yep. not do lots of things you know the business we've got from the book plus the ability to educate people about what's right and wrong and educating those people on the smaller businesses mm. so they become bigger businesses and they want to work with us. Um, so why, so why, did you write, why did you write that book and how did, you, how did you go about that? So I'm sitting in a conference in Sydney. My mind tends to wander because I've got about a seven-second attention span. <laughs> and I thought about all those businesses that can't really afford us, mm. um, but they need to know what's right and the disinformation that's everywhere. And so I thought there's... Um, a book. It's like a brilliant business card as well. And so, I yeah, came back yeah, to yeah. New Zealand, yeah. and we basically contacted Penguin Random House, thinking there's no way that they'd say yes. Just go for the top. Um, yeah, absolutely. You've got to you've got to work with the best. Um, and they said yes. So then I had like three months to write a book and wow. um, etc. But um, again, massively beneficial. Plus, um, I've had so many people contact me saying what difference it's made to their business, mm. and that's pretty cool you yeah, know yeah, that yeah. sort of stuff's cool and then like I say they'll want to work with us when they grow their business because they know what we put out and we've done a lot of that we wrote the only NZQA certified SEO course for Unitech which we also teach teach for Marketing Association the University of Auckland and all these various different places and the idea is so what we're giving away our IP the more people that know what's right or wrong yeah. it takes a lot of time it's a lot of work to do what we do mm-hmm. and so if we teach people what 's right and wrong, um, at least the whole industry will benefit, and then people will know us yeah and, yeah, and it yeah. builds the brand, it builds credibility it's um it's beneficial from so many perspectives, so what we 're giving away i p you know someone really wants to um you know they can learn this stuff and anyway, they' just it'll be in all disparate places, so mm-hmm, let 's make it accessible for people um The other thing that that thing the book taught me. Is everyone's accessible? So in our industry, there's a guy called Ram Fishkin who started a a website called Moz. He's basically the person in our industry; he's sort of the main thing. So I dropped a note to him on LinkedIn, came back to me, ended up writing a chapter of the book. Yeah, and it just shows people are just people, and you know you reach out Mm -hmm. to people, um, and they'll help you, and a lot of them will go out their way for you. And I think people are often scared to do that. Um, but my business wouldn't be where it is today if I hadn't reached out to people and got the help um, from other people.
0: What about what about what hasn't worked? What are some things that you've done that felt like the right thing to do but didn't work out? Because I think it's really interesting, you know, when you, when you look at LinkedIn and places like that, everyone's a huge success and everyone, everything everyone's doing is working. What have you done that hasn't worked? Uh, loads of things. Um,
1: so early doors, starting too many businesses um, on the side and it distracted my attention. From pure, I created an insurance aggregation site. Uh, I did um, a, cu- um, a what you call it? A chair um, retailer. All sorts of the things. The obvious choice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had a wholesaler and a was drop shipping, so it was right, you know right, I right. get a ranking on Google, but yep. people want to sit on chairs for some reason, <laughs> um, and. Not getting rid of the wrong people quick enough. I'm a non-confrontational person. Mm. But you let someone stay that's not right for the organisation. It's like a cancer and it spreads. You've Mm. got to deal with it. Um, Deal with it quickly. Not thinking global from day one. So we started with .co.nz. We bought the .com a few years ago. We launched it. Within four weeks, we had a uh, a lead coming from Hong Kong and we signed Mm. them as a client. Mm. Um, So many mistakes. We started a low-end product. The idea was... Um, 200 bucks a month and um, systemized the process we released it to a certain number of clients the idea was really low touch because it was a um, high value even though it was low value to us to these people they were on the phone all the time and right. it eroded all the profitability yeah, yeah, so yeah. we pulled that pretty quickly okay. um, like I say employing salespeople without having a good sales process mm. in place and them failing having the wrong uh, management team in place had a GM who wasn't right for the business and uh, I've had a couple of them and the business went backwards Mm. and um I am naturally a person who likes to delegate I'm not a micromanager at all and that has pros and cons it allows a business to scale but it Mm. also allows things to happen that you're not necessarily comfortable with and you don't necessarily pick them up straight away yeah um and so having a a bit of a, a mix is better than that but um yeah, the, so many mistakes.
0: <laughs> what What about um, one of the questions that we ask we ask our our guests on here is what they in house and what they outsource. So how have you learned over the years what's good to do internally and what's better to use external partners for?
1: So it goes through to the core of the business. Um, pure SEO. We do SEO, Google Ads. We'd probably be the biggest independent in New Zealand for Google Ads for Google. Um, we do conversion rate optimization, analytics. Um, but we don't really want to get outside our, our sphere of excellence. And so what I say is, if we're offering this, are we going to be the best at it? Mm. And if we're not, um, then let's not bother until we are the best. So we've used external PR companies. We've used um, external companies to sort out radio advertising. Mm.
0: We've
1: um, creative design, uh, branding, all that kind of stuff. Um,
0: because so- they're not core to you, and you don't consider yourselves among the best in those exactly right
1: yeah you know, if I offer something and I can't hand on heart say we're, we're the best what's the point in doing it you know it's gonna erode the brand people mm-hmm. aren't gonna mm-hmm. have a great experience yeah. um, and so we generally bring in third parties for that um, like video I mean you know we do video in-house for ourselves we don't offer it to clients, and we have had third parties do testimonial
0: videos going to clients and things like that. Um, and, what, and what about for your own function? So as you grew as a business, as you've grown as a business, what have you decided to do yourselves versus you know out- outsource? So, for example, have you ever had external... Salespeople doing your sales for you or has it always been in-house?
1: Never had external salespeople uh, always been in-house and that's because of branding related. I've had the growery help us with some strategic stuff which has been useful. Thank you. Welcome. Um, mainly external for myself. I've had business mentors and um, advisors mm. and things like that because you don't know what you don't know. Mm. Um, and having someone whose focus is... Trying to help you, you don't have to necessarily take everything on board, but you can cherry pick, yeah. and you can learn from other people's experience. mean um, my board, like Tony and Ian, also um, massively helpful. Um, I got a Simona who's um, who works at, who's in the executive team at Zero on our board, and um, having different thought, different um, minds. Um, that help you. Like I think it's uh, Think and Grow Rich. They talk about a mastermind team. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of stuff is being critical.
0: So part of your team, but with an external view.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and, and they have the goal of helping the company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just trying to think. Obviously, we have an external accountant. I think that's massively important. Um, someone that advises you um, really from a business perspective rather than just doing your taxes we have a financial controller full-time in-house yeah we also have external accounting advice um, which goes around because we've got a number of businesses and we have to aggregate stuff and
0: different structures and things like yep. that and yep. having someone that knows that is yeah, 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 yeah. you need that yeah, absolutely Hey, look, Richard. This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I think it's it's really interesting hearing the journey you've gone through, and I think the things that you've learned through experience, not necessarily you know having been been told them, but working out what happens when when you don't do those things. That's yeah. that's mucking cool. stuff up. Yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> look, so to end our time today, um, what would be the single piece of advice you'd like to leave our listeners with? Something that they could take away and go in action tomorrow.
1: I think get outside your comfort zone, I can't remember who coined it, Um, there's something called vomit moments, like embrace vomit moments. When you feel really sick about doing something, that's where the magic happens. So push yourself beyond your comfort zone and then your comfort zone expands. And um, do that and have continual momentum. Do something every day towards your goal. If If you do something little every single day, Become something big. Like I sit down, I look around at what we've got, what we've achieved, and it's it. You know, I never could have envisaged it realistically. And we've not done anything massive. It's just those small steps, continual momentum, doing stuff that makes you feel uncomfortable and
0: pushing those boundaries. Bloody awesome, Richard. Thank you. Thank thanks, for time. thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. If you liked it, you can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app for fortnightly episodes. For expert help growing your sales, find out more about The Growery at thegrowery.co.nz. And to find other shows that you might like, go to podcasts.nz.